Hello and shalom, everyone. This is uh, David Parsons, one of the vice presidents and senior spokesman here at the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, coming to you from our global headquarters in the Talpiot neighborhood of Jerusalem. We're just so glad everyone has joined us for this week's ICEJ weekly webinar. Welcome and shalom again, uh, east, west, uh, north, and south, everyone who has tuned in this week. This week we're covering a current affairs topic, and we have a very special guest. I'm so glad uh, he's joined us, Hananya Naftali. He's a, a young Israeli social media uh, influencer, uh, pro-Israel, making Israel's case, and we're talking about the cyber battle for Israel. That's the title I gave it, and one of our translators was worried, oh, if it's cyber warfare and all are the technical terms that I won't know, but no, this is good old, uh, you know, in the trenches, fighting for Israel in the social media spaces, just using everyday words like love and defend and uh, God and pray and everything like that, nothing too hard. But Hananya, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Now, uh, um, We've got a little, uh, some bio notes that I want to give first that um, uh, Hananya Naftali uh, is a, this bio says you're a social media star. I would have to uh, vouch for that and pro-Israel influencer activist, which are using so social media platforms to raise awareness about anti-Semitism, the BDS movement, boycott, divest, and sanction uh, Israel, uh, the Iranian threat, and other threats that the Jewish people and, and Israel confront on a daily basis. And I think uh, some people may may not know it, but you've been retained for several years now by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu as a consultant and advisor, and every day helping him also maintain his page, pages, his message, but also giving you some leeway and maybe inside information for you to help uh, fight your battle. That's quite a uh, you know, position to have because he's a great communicator, and I think he saw something uh, in you in that. That's, that's tremendous. Praise God. Praise God. I'm, I'm just happy to be able to be in the right uh, position in the right time and uh, do everything that I can for the sake of Israel. And again, all the glory goes to God. Amen. Hananya, how, how did you get into this business? You, you, your family came as part of the big uh, wave of Soviet Aliyah in the early 90s. You grew up here, went into the army, and then you had other career plans. What happened? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, first of all, my parents, they made Aliyah to Israel from the former Soviet Union. They, um, it's, it's a whole different story, a uh, very interesting story, but uh, I grew up in Samaria, in northern Samaria, right in the heartland of Israel. So I grew up basically among Arab people. We would go shopping, grocery shopping uh, in Arab towns. And so I really lived this coexistence, uh, coexistence life. And uh, I remember when I joined the, the Israeli army, I first of all, I, in my personality, I used to be this shy kid, you know, uh, from from... The heartland of Israel, I ran from attention like from fire. That was not something that I was interested in. 
Uh, but, you know, the army, serving in the army was a pivotal moment for me in, in, in my life because, first of all, it's very different. In Israel, it's not, a, it's not a request. It's not a, they're not asking you if you want to join the army once you finish high school. That's compulsory. You have to join. So um, usually most Israelis are excited about that. I wanted to join the uh, special command, commando, the Israeli version of Navy SEALs. So we have this special day where you train, you get ready for that. And that day comes, you know, you, you exercise, you eat less uh, pizza, less um, uh, those fattening uh, meal. And I did not accept, uh, I, I was not accepted into the Navy SEALs. So I said, you know what, I'll go and follow my brother's heritage. Both of my brothers served in the Armored Corps. I'll just go to the Armored Corps. And I told myself, you know what? If there is a war, I'd rather do it on wheels and not uh, by foot. So, um, you know, then the, the Gaza uh, War of 2014 begins. And I was 19, just celebrated my, my birthday. And, you know, I, I have to try to bring the audience into my shoes because um, you have this border security fence that you cross in this um, uh, time of war. And just like in, for every soldier, I had this thought in my mind. I, I thought maybe I will not come back alive. Maybe I will come back, um, you know, dead. And it's a very uh, depressing thought, but, you know, in a weird way, it keeps you sharp um, because you don't want to die. And to make a long story short, I, I remember that... Um, I had this peace in my heart. I, I could not explain this. I, uh, in the, the tank is very small. You can only, you can bring this many things. Uh, and I chose to bring a small Bible with me. And I, I remember that when I would just open my Bible inside the Gaza Strip, obviously I didn't have time to read a chapter or to do a, a Bible study, a proper one, a, like our friends do in America. But I, I remember I opened my Bible, just read one verse from Psalms, um, and I was so encouraged. It felt like my spirit was charged. I felt uh, safe. I felt like God is with me. And on top of that, I felt like God has a plan for me, that there is no reason for, for anything to happen to me because God's angels are with me. And we fought. We came back to Israel. Or if uh, you basically the way it was, you spend one week in Gaza, then you refuel, you take sh you shower if you have time to, uh, you eat some normal food, not from canned food, and you go back to battle. At that time, I would call my parents, who are um, also believers, and I remember I would call my mom and you know try to make sure that she's calm, that her son is uh, everything is in order. And she told me, you know what? I'm actually, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, worried. I'm not upset. I know that God's angels are with you. There is no reason for me to be uh, worried. Now, that obviously, I was very relieved. And next thing I do, I open the news. I I wanted to see how Israel is being portrayed on the international arena, and I see crazy protests, insane, burning the flag of Israel calling the soldiers of Israel, us, war criminals, saying that we uh, shoot Palestinians, that we target Arabs. And 
you know what? In in my in my um, uh, earthly body and soul, I was angry. I said, you know what? This is absolutely not acceptable because I was just there inside the Gaza Strip. I knew exactly what we were doing before we entered the Gaza Strip. We rounded up in this circle. Our commander told us, "You have a very strict mission to target the terror tunnels and the Hamas terrorist organization. No civilian casualties." You are not to target Palestinian people. They are not who we're, we're fighting up against. And I I knew that. So I decided that I'm going to learn English. Uh, obviously, it's not my first language. Uh, in Israel, we speak Hebrew and Arabic. So said, you know what? I'm going to learn English. I'm going to learn how to edit videos. I'm going to learn how to deliver a message in a simple way that people can just relate to that and not in a, in necessarily in an academic way. Because at the end of the day, I'm just an Israeli who has a story to tell. I'm not uh, I'm not more special than our friends in the United States or anywhere else. I just want people to have some knowledge about what's going on here in this country. So that's what I basically decided to to do. My first video was as simple as, you know, recording the camera that I got from my parents from my 18th birthday saying, hello, my name is Hanania Naftali. I... I was just now in the Gaza Strip. I was born and raised in Israel. Uh, I, I'm an Israeli. I, I was a soldier. This is what I felt. This is what happened, and it went viral. Uh, the first, this first video, um, a lot of people were sharing it because it was not, it was not very, um, um, you know, packaged. Yeah. Yes, because because I felt like uh, at that time, less Israelis were talking. Um, and also nowadays, uh, most Israelis don't feel comfortable talking in, in a language that's foreign to them. And by God's grace, I was able to do that. So I started to make another video and another video. And today I have around uh, 2 million followers across my social media platforms. I try to, to make a video every, every week so that people will get an understanding because to me, it's and, and and again, as an Israeli, to me, it's just crazy to think that there are um, Christians out there more than 7,000 miles away from, from this country where, where uh, I'm based, and they pray for Israel. They, in, in, in their church services, when, when I do uh, speaking tours, I just returned from Nashville, Tennessee, and um, you see people on their knees praying for Israel, and it really touched my heart to see that they're praying without actually seeing what's going on in this country with their own eyes. So that's the least I, I can do. And, um, you know, if, if, if we, if we uh, fast forward a little bit to the era of Prime Minister Netanyahu, um, I finished my military service. And um, one, I, I was 22. And um, I, we have this term in Hebrew, we call it chutzpah. Chutzpah, basically, in, 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 you know, to the, to the average American, chutzpah means that you see a closed door and you either open, uh, you either come to the room through the window or you just smash the door and you, you, you break in and you're like, I'm so sorry. Could I get that, please? So um, I had that chutzpah. It's very Israeli. I had a few, uh, a couple hundreds of thousands of followers and I wanted to do an interview with the prime minister of Israel. Uh, at that time, Benjamin Netanyahu, and I got a con uh, a contact of his uh, spokesperson. I messaged him uh, on Facebook, 
that, hey, I'm this and that. I want to I wanna interview the prime minister on how to defend Israel in the best possible way. A, a couple hours pass by, I get a message back. He's, uh, the, his advisor responds and says, actually, this is a quite the coincidence because we just had a meeting on offering you to, um, to do this video to interview the prime minister. And I was happy. They were happy. Um, and they said, Yana, let's, let's get this done. And in Israel, when you say, let's get this done, you, obviously it's Israeli time. So a couple of months pass by and we get this done. And um, so, yeah, I interviewed the prime minister. They, uh, they said, we're very sorry. You only have two minutes with the prime minister. Um, obviously, I understand that because uh, the, the task of leading this country called Israel is one of the toughest jobs in the world. So I'm entering this focused mindset. I said, okay, I have two minutes. I'm going to make the most out of it. I enter his office and it's like, just like in a movie, you enter a room filled with so much history, so many memories and stories that you hear about growing up as an Israeli. Um, and I focus on, on my mission. I'm setting up the camera, setting up the lights. The prime minister is asking, you know, why, why do you put the cameras there? And I'm not even answering because I'm, I'm focused on setting it up. We make the video. I ask him this very simple question, Prime Minister, how can we defend Israel in the best possible way? I think that our audience here also want to ask this question, uh, you know, from the Prime Minister, if they could. And um, he told me a very, very simple answer. He said, just tell the truth because our enemies, they need to distort the facts. They need to find a story and to turn it upside down. We have a full story. Um and just grab the truth and share it. And he was, you know, referring to to the Bible, to Abraham, and to uh, to the Jewish connection to this uh, homeland that that dates back uh, more than three thousand years ago. We finish the video. I get home. A month passes by, and uh, he, uh, I get a call from the team. Then uh, now it's funny because what one of the team members can do it the perfect impersonation of the of the prime minister exactly his voice so he calls me with this voice and uh, i almost fell for it it's uh, he he did the prime minister voice saying hey uh would you join my team uh, but they were serious so i was 22 at that time when you're 22 you don't say no to to an offer from the prime minister of israel so i joined the team and that was back in 2018 I still, uh, till this day, uh, work for him, uh, and it is absolutely amazing to be able to to assist the prime minister because um, you know he doesn't really need to 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 be told what to do. He knows exactly what to do. He just needs people to help him to execute that, and it's a true blessing to be able to uh, work for such a leader. That I, in my opinion, in my in my uh, uh, faith, he was called to times like this. Um, because I'm sure that a lot of us know that um, today Israel is facing existential threats coming from uh, Iran, and um, it's it's uh, an unending um, uh, drama uh, if we simplify everything. So the Palestinians are actually not not the main focus of Israel's policy, but um, I, I have to say that it's it's very it's a big big pri privilege to be able to. Um, tell the story of Israel, um, also assisting the prime minister and also telling um, my personal story of how of how 
how my life is like in, in this country that so many people think that is, you know, filled with conflict and unending uh, wars. And yeah, so I, that's basically how I started my role with the prime minister. Yeah, he is uh, such a great communicator like, like Ron, Ronald Reagan. But uh, to ask you for help, that that uh, um, that's must be flattering. Uh, but uh, I want to understand a little more. You say you were in the Gaza Strip fighting. You see Israel being libeled, you being libeled as a soldier that you're like Nazi, war criminal, whatever. But had you uh, been uh, very active yourself on, on social media, Facebook before that? Just uh, in a in a casual way, just uh, so, a social way. Um, before that, yeah. I, I you know I I was uh, um, to to those that miss I, I used to be very shy. That that means not uh, not super social. I love hanging out with my friends, but uh, we lived uh, in the Galilee uh, after we moved from Samaria. For, for the experts here, it's, it, it was in the disengagement plan of 2005. From one of the four settlements that got uprooted? Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Minister, so um, yeah. Prime Minister Ariel Sharon decided to withdraw from land uh, with the hopes that we're going to see peace. Uh, because that's that's what the Palestinian leadership has been chanting for, you know, for decades. That just give us land, we'll give you peace in, in return for that. And obviously, you know, we are uh, how many years after 2005 do we see peace? Unfortunately not. I think that uh, that's what the, the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, you know, Netanyahu has been uh, championing on. And he understands that you don't give land in exchange for peace. Uh, this land was, uh, was it's, it is a promised land. To, to to God's people, to, to the Jewish people. And uh, although the, the, there is room for uh, for Palestinians, but uh, this basic thought that you give land in exchange for peace, that's that's a very uh, corrupted thinking, in my opinion. You give peace in exchange for peace. You don't shake some someone's hand and and give them you know a free iPhone so that they will love you. Uh, that will be fake, not not genuine. So um, and we have seen that the the uh, the Israeli administration under Netanyahu has managed. Uh, had managed to forge four peace agreements. And um, it's actually very, very interesting because for so many years, the Palestinian leadership ha has been saying that, uh, has been vetoing peace. Israel offered the Palestinians peace multiple times, and they said time and time again, no, 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 because they don't want peace with Israel. They want peace on top of Israel, instead of Israel. They don't want a state next to Israel. So what Israel did um, and that was that was uh, actually a breakthrough is that they started to make peace with Arab countries. They said, OK, the Palestinians don't want to make peace. We'll go around it and make peace with those with nations that actually want want peace for for the future and for the betterment of their own people. Um, so that's that's something that that's very, very exciting, I, I have to say. We, um, we just had someone who uh, signed in on the chat. Hello from Dubai. So we got someone. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. I, I just, I, I visited Dubai earlier, um, I think last year. And I have to say that I, you, you know, while 
while Jews are advised to hide their identity in, 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 in Western countries, I purposely wore my kippah uh, on, on my head when I visited the uh, Sheikh, Sheikh uh, uh, Muhammad bin Zayed Mosque, if I'm not wrong, that's the correct name, the biggest mosque in, in the Middle East, um, uh, one of the biggest in Abu Dhabi. And I put my kippah on, on my head uh, when I visited with my Arab Muslim friends. And I did not get not a single uh, bad look, and obviously not a curse. People actually came to take pictures with with this Jewish guy that they saw visiting the mosque. So I think that that's the new Middle East that that uh, we are seeing that the West um, maybe turns turns a blind eye to, and it's that Israel is making peace with Arab nations, and uh, it's it's a it's you know it's like the world is is turning upside down. If if Jews were uh, you know in the past more safe in Europe and in Western countries, today a lot of Jews are feeling safer in Arab countries. Um, so it's it's a very interesting time that we live in. Uh, that we see at, at in on the one hand, uh, more people are open to hear about Israel and more people are open to uh, extend their hand in peace with Israel. As Prime Minister Netanyahu said, that they are willing to make peace with Saudi Arabia. Um, and on the other hand, we see rise in anti-Semitism. So it's it's time that, you know, it's the perfect time to have this this uh, uh, meeting that we have right now. Because uh, I I feel as an Israeli Jew that, uh, that we need our Christian friends more than ever. Uh, we see that uh, policies are being pushed against Israel. Hatred, blind hate, um, scapegoating Jews. Saying that you know, if there is any problem in America, they they immediately tie to to the Jews. I think that times like this call for uh, genuine, true friends like our Christian evangelical friends. Mm-hmm. No, I think uh, you telling this your own story. You have unique credentials to to talk about Israel's peace credentials that you personally, you and your family, lost your home. There in northern Samaria, and and you know a, a, a lot of the mainstream media and all they want to portray Israel as the one who needs to make the next move for peace. It's constantly that way, hmm. and Israel has done it many times, uh, given up land for peace, and and uh, you gave up your home for peace, and you have a, a personal loss that you can say, look, we tried it. That must be part of the the passion. That you bring to this fight, because I, I want to ask you what what do you think is is uh, your your secret to how popular your videos are? Mm-hmm. Do you think it is? I know there's a certain passion behind it. Um, I did uh, a radio show uh, broadcast all over North America for many years uh, from from here. And they did some tests on it, and of course they can't see you, but on radio, uh, the test came back that I sounded sincere. <laughs> that was my <laughs> quality, you know, was it my charm or charisma? I just sounded sincere. But what do you think has been your secret to gain so many followers? Well, it's it's a secret. Why 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 would I reveal it here? <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I have to say that I think it's not it's not um you know people people like to think that um people who who do well on social media are uh, genius but I think that 
it's more simple than that. It's um, you don't have to first of all have the latest equipment, the latest uh, phone, the latest camera, the latest computer. You just need to have passion, and you need to be passionate about something. That is something that drives me because um, you know every everyone. At, you know, in, in, in our own fields, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like doing something. But when you have passion, that passion drives you past these emotions or feelings. So uh, to me, I think that it was just the fact that I have a story to tell. And I think that people do see through the lens that that. I used to be uh, shy. I used to be, you know, very introverted. And I think that they can see that through the camera lens. So they want to listen even more to what this guy ha has to say. If, if he, if he, you know, turns on the camera and, and speaks, because that's stepping out of, out of the comfort zone. Um, and, and absolutely understanding that, you know, something that really drove me is to understand it. Hey, if I don't do that, no one is going to do this job for me. No one is going to stand for Israel if I don't um, take take a stand, uh, mm -hmm. because we are few against many. Uh, you know, although I may have two million followers if you count all of the social media accounts, but then you have uh, anti-Israel social media um, uh, people like Bella Hadid with with twenty something million. So one post with fake news reaches uh, far more people than I can. So I think that. That's why we need to be united in what we do. Um, but as 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 for social media, my, I think my uh, one of my favorite and most viewed videos had um, I think about fourteen million views, and it was as as simple as Israel in sixty seconds. I wanted to show people what Israel looks like, you know, on top of the conflict, putting a conflict aside because Israel has so much to offer more than a uh, you know political turmoil or uh, any any Israeli Palestinian conflict to me and that's the Israel that I grew up in it's it's the the Israel where the Bible comes to life you can visit synagogues where Jews preach you can see the western wall of the second temple that existed so you have this historical uh, this historical evidence that First of all, number one shows and proves that Jews are ancestral and indigenous to this land, uh, and 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 number two that uh, it's Israel is the future. And, you know, the Jews are not going anywhere. Um, I I actually I have to I have to mention this um, this personal story of mine uh, that was not very personal. Uh, I I went on this uh, live television debate. And they brought, obviously, they don't tell me who, who they're bringing up against me, but they brought this Palestinian politician. And he starts and talks, and he's saying that, look, guys, Israel is the obstacle to peace because Israel continues and advances the settlement project. And, you know, he's, he looked so angry with, when, when he referred to the settlement project. Uh, that's a big word, settlement project in the West Bank. So when it was my turn to speak, I simply asked them, do you say, do you mean that building homes for Jewish families in Judea and Samaria is an obstacle to peace, but actually inciting hatred, violence, terrorism, sponsored by the Palestinian Authority, the Palestinian government, 
is not an obstacle to peace uh, because that's just insane. People are being paid to stab Jews, to shoot Jews. When they when they carry out these attacks, they're getting paid for that. This is insane. And this whole referring back to telling the truth, they're twisting and distorting the whole facts, the whole story. So I was not okay with that. So that's 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 what driving me till this day to tell the truth because I you know we're realizing the truth is a rare ingredient in our world, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I um, I've been uh, involved in full time pro Israel advocacy as a Christian for twenty some years, and sometimes I get asked to give a little advice on how to fight this battle. I have the four shows and it's like, uh, show yourself approved. You got to study, get some sources, learn, uh, show love, show compassion, empathy. You can, you know, have a heart for the Palestinians. You just don't blame Israel for everything. But the number one rule is show up. That if you just leave it, yep. there's nothing's going to happen. And I think you are living proof that you came out of Gaza and you decided to start showing up. And you did have done so with a passion and a clarity. There's a, a moral clarity. I know Netanyahu talks about this a lot, and we just have to commend you for this. But you said you were shy. You probably weren't so active on social media. I, I know I have a Facebook page for 15 mm -hmm. years, but I'm, I just don't have time. I don't spend much time on there. I have a Twitter account. I don't spend much time on there. And uh, But you you had to teach yourself how all the how are these uh, platforms operate, youth? And and this became your career. And, and like, give us some pointers for for Christians how they can effectively engage in this PR battle over Israel. Are there differences between how you operate on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, some of the other platforms? Absolutely. So first of all, I have to tell something to our Christian friends because. You know, and it, and it's something that should be said because uh, we live in a social media world, and social media can be very bad, can be toxic, can be a horrible thing because it's this place where people come from the, all, all the corners of the earth and they uh, debate, argue, hate on each other, love on each other. It's this city center of the world, and um, I I personally know Christians that just negate the use of social media because they they think it's so bad but i i believe in in coming with this um you know uh sword and flashing through the lies and bringing light to social media with truth because there is room for that and i i think that we should not just cancel social media and just negate because because we've seen something bad on it i think that we should use social media because that's where decisions are being made unfortunately uh politicians go on social media and they care so much about what people say about them um you know it, it is thanks to christians in the united states that with the pressure of christians the u.s embassy moved from tel aviv to jerusalem and i'm sure that social media played a, a crucial role in this and it is with the help of of uh of definitely the help of christians that uh, the United States recognized Israel 11 minutes after its uh, declaration of independence. Um, if, if there's one thing that I've learned is that you're going to be criticized. If you do A, people are going to hate on you. If you do B, people are going to hate on you. 
So you might as well just do what you feel like doing uh, and just don't care. Do not care about what people say because people love to have opinions and it's welcome and it's good. But I, as, as for myself, I don't want to live um, an empty life without a purpose. I want to live life to the fullest by doing everything I can to, uh, to make this world a world of truth and to bring about more peace because I never imagined that this shy young kid growing up, growing up in Israel will one day speak English um, and will not have too much of a broken English and will be able to, to share stories from Israel to encourage people. You know, I have to tell you that uh, I made this one video on social media with an Arab Muslim Israeli. And we we stood in, in my room, one next to each other, and I asked him questions. I said, how does it feel to be Muslim in Israel? How, you know, these, these simple questions that maybe people don't want to ask. Um, do you get, hey, blah, blah, blah. He answers, I post the video, and again, I don't know who is watching the video, but I get this message a month later, I think, from this Egyptian student. He writes me, I wanted to enter Israel via Jordan and stab Jews. I hated Jews so much until I saw this video. And again, it, it, it was hard for me to believe that as well. But he said, until I saw this video that you respect an Arab Muslim, you're not treating him like an animal, like I heard, like people told me and taught me. And he's telling me this video triggered my, my mind to learn more. And I researched and I read and the bottom line, he said, now you have a friend. And it's so, it's just one example of how powerful social media is if we use it. Just like you said, we need to be proactive. Um, how about stopping being the silent majority? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful story. I know there there's so many lies told about Israel that uh, for someone like you, it's a target-rich environment, as they say in the military. There's so many of these lies you could go after. You almost have your selection, and and uh, but how do you how do you decide? Is it the ones that really get your gall that you get upset about? For instance, did you do anything when uh, Mahmoud Abbas, president of Palestinian Authority, who denies the Holocaust, but then said? Uh, Israel has put the Palestinians through 50 holocausts. Did you do anything on that? Well, I, I have to say that it's it's very easy to be driven by by hate or anger, but I, I, I really am driven by love for my country rather than hate for the Palestinians because I, in my conviction, love is such a powerful weapon that yeah, could bring, actually bring peace because hate brings more hate, love, uh, brings more love and more peace. So um, as as to as to these statements that are always said on a daily basis by by Palestinian activists, um, I I think that if you notice, if you actually zoom out for a second, you you see that there is a pattern. There is a pattern for Palestinian activism that they uh, take other people's suffering and conflicts, like the suffering of Jews from the Holocaust like the suffering of black people in South Africa, saying that, you know, the apartheid, like the war in Ukraine right now, they love to take other people's sufferings and just wear these sufferings themselves. And 
uh, wear this mask, that what happened in South Africa is what we are going through. What happening? What, what's happening in other parts of the world is what we are going through. I think that this is, um, you, you, you cannot treat it in any other way. This is disgusting because they are, they're negating the suffering of, of actually people that suffered through the apartheid in South Africa. In Israel, we don't have different bathrooms for Arabs and Jews. Uh, we, we don't have class A, class B citizens. If you're an Israeli citizen, you have one passport, one ID. If you're a Palestinian, you have your own government that, that governs actually thanks to, to Israel under the Oslo Accords. Um, now, that's a lot of information, but I have to say that if you zoom out for a second, uh, you see that those that hate Israel, they are usually not motivated by love for the Palestinians, but rather hate for Israel. And when, when we stand up for Israel, it's not motivated out of hate for Palestinians, but rather love for Israel. And I think that, um, you know, if, if we continue this, this down this road, um, victory awaits us because um, love is the most powerful tool. You, you know, it's, it says it's, it's written in the Bible, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, those that stand with this, you know, free translation, those that stands with Israel and with the Jewish people will be blessed in Genesis. Um, and although it's not biblical to say that, but I do also encourage to pray for Palestinians, to pray for Arabs, um, because we don't hate them. I was, I never grew up on hating my neighbors. Uh, we greet each other, both in Arabic and Hebrew, salam, shalom, peace. Um, and in, the, in an even deeper meaning, for the nerds of us here, shalem, shalom, Yerushalayim, it all come, it all stems from the word whole, complete. Uh, shalem, whole, shalom, peace, Yerushalayim. Um, that's why I love the Hebrew language. It's such a such an amazing language, especially if you can read the Bible in Hebrew. It's very deep meanings. Mm -hmm. I am totally one hundred percent on board with you that that uh, hate. Uh, actually winds up destroying you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not constructive at all and that we should put place a premium on love. Uh, when I try to advise other Christians how to be good advocates for Israel, I always end up in actually in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, how uh, uh, you know hatred parades itself and beats its chest. And that's what a lot of Palestinian supporters do. They're out there in the streets shouting and yelling, I've seen it. I hope you're not getting it at some of your appearances, but that love actually rejoices in the truth. It's patient, and when the truth is found out, you say, thank God, we rejoice in it, whereas the lies of the Janine massacre and, and uh, you know, the, the, we could go on and on about the different lies that we've seen. Uh, I saw something that that uh, you just put out. I, I made sure before we went on the air that I was a follower of you on Twitter, and I saw I saw the headline the other day: Israel set a new record this year in arms sales to foreign countries, twelve point some billion dollars, which is good news for the the arms industry here. Hopefully, it's all used to maintain peace. But you noted, and I didn't read the articles, but what you brought out, the real headline is that 25% of these arms sales go to Arab countries. <laughs> Amazing. That should have been the headline. 
how can you know Israel trusts these countries enough that they won't use them against Israel? They trust this peace, and these countries need it. Uh, but what does this say about uh, say the momentum of the Abraham Accords and how much that has changed? The fact that Arabs are looking at Israelis as normal people and not war criminals. This must have really changed the dynamic a lot. Absolutely, I I think that. Um... A lot of people are worried when they read such a headline and, you know, they they grab their heads and say, what are you doing? How can you trust these people? Um, but, at the, you know, down down here in the Middle East, uh, you know, about 7000 miles from our friends in the United States, uh, the reality looks different on the ground. You see that Arabs understand that Israel is not their enemy, but rather a blessing to them. So they understand that. Uh, there, there, there have been decades of incitement against the Jewish state uh, with the help of the Palestinian Authority that had been vetoing peace and, uh, you know, spreading lies such, you know, one example is that Israel wants to take down the Al-Aqsa Mosque in, on Temple Mount. Um, and these Arab countries, they understand that if they want, you know, oil is not going to last forever. And if they want their economies to flourish and to grow stronger, they understand that there is this cyber superpower, there is this startup hub um, called Israel, and they want to partner with Israel. And if you look at the military situation, you see that all most of the Arab countries, they, um, they don't turn their guns at Israel, but rather uh, towards the Islamic Republic of Iran, and not in order to attack, but in order to, they, they, they're afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. There is this tyrannical regime in Tehran that they want to expand their Shia radical Islamist ideology. They want to export this. And, um, you know, the best way for, for tyrants to survive is then is, is, is when they found someone, uh, to, to scapegoat and Israel is the best, is, is the best, uh, you know, blood libel for the Iranian regime. They m had made Israel their target one main enemy. And the Arab nations, they understand that they're not going to stop with Israel. They understand that um, their future is also in danger if they don't do something. So I think that this is why we, we see this mind-blowing number that uh, Israel record that uh, $12.5 billion dollars in defense exports, and 25% of that goes to Arab neighbors. It means that we team up together against radicalism. And the message here, the bottom line, is that Arabs understand that Israel is not their enemy, but rather a partner for security, economy, and peace. Mm. I, I found this out from uh, General Amir Avivi of the Israel Defense security forum. There's a lot of talk right now about Morocco. I think some of these arms, uh, Israeli arms, are going to Morocco. And I just saw a piece, uh, Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, they're saying, it was Yahil Leiter, saying Israel should recognize Morocco's claim over the Western Sahara, which has been fought over. It's like occupied territory, but uh, Morocco claims. But the problem is that that Hezbollah is now in that region because it's near the Straits of Gibraltar and it's another major waterway 
that they want to have a, a threat in that region if they need to use it. And Israel, I guess they're selling arms to Morocco to help them with that and and forming a partnership. And in a way, it's very positive for Israel that they'll be treating as a normal nation and, and as a partner. Absolutely. I, I agree. I think that we, we, we see that the, you know, the war in radicalism is, is not just uh, the war of Israel. It's the war also of normal countries like, like Morocco, like uh, Jordan, Egypt, uh, even Iraq is right now battling against uh, Iranian militias. Uh, so you see that, and actually Hezbollah, for those of, of us that don't know, is a proxy of Iran. So um, Hezbollah was just uh, recently reported that they have, um, I think, around over 100,000 rockets. So it, it, you know, aimed at Israel. So they, they're based in the north. They're trying to surround Israel. And if, you know, we open the Bible, we read prophecies. We read that, you know, they say war will come from the north. So I think that it's very, this story is developing, of course. But Israel needs to, to uh, you know, to guard its people, to, to safeguard our, our future. And uh, when, when, when Morocco is battling with radicals, we partner with them to, to, to finish this. Uh, same with Egypt on the war against ISIS, because we don't want these radicals to end up at our borders. And I think that this is something that our Western friends need to understand as well that the war of Israel is should be their war as well. And if they turn a blind eye and try to try to be uh, global in terms of, you know, peace and love, um, th they will end up uh, facing these these problems that that Israel is is preventing right now, um, because Israel has successfully managed to with its intelligence to foil attacks in European countries. I'm sure that Israel is working together with the United States on that as well. And it's very interesting. Again, if you zoom out, this small kind Israel is small. Israel is small, and it's being it's you know with God's grace, and it's a miracle that Israel is leading the way in so many fields. So, if any of us have you know are having doubts, if, if God still stands with Israel, if God maybe had changed, you see the greatest evidence in your life that Israel shines um, because it is it is God. It's only because of God that we won. Um, eight wars that we never started. It's because of God that Israel is is a light to to the world, to the nations today. Amen. It, it, it's the Lord's hand that has brought the Jewish people back and allowed them to defend themselves, and that's made a big difference. But you always have to give credit to God for uh, for Him changing uh, everything surrounding the Jewish people and. Uh, uh, do you, um, you know, you're never going to vanquish, uh, unfortunately, uh, get rid of all the rabid anti-Semites out there, but do you think uh, Israel's having some uh, success, some progress in fighting this PR battle in, in cyberspace over uh, its right to defend itself and so? I, I think that, again, we uh, be, because we are few against many, a lot of people think that it's a lost cause, but uh, you know, look at David against Goliath. He he managed to to win this battle, and um, you have the yeah. Is Israelis are generally not happy with the way they are being represented by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, for example, because they they're saying 
you're not you're you're not you know doing what we want you to do but um obviously ministry of foreign affairs is a biased organization a government organization so um it's hard to convince people using uh government organizations i think that the best possible way is to create ambassadors for israel just like icj has been excelling in uh to create friends that tell um that just tell the story of, of Israel from from their personal perspective, just like I have been doing. No one stands behind me. I just share, I can, I can say whatever I want. And that's the best way to convince people because just like you said, you know, the number, the, the statistics that came from your radio, uh, that, that you were sincere, that people believed what you said. I think that it's a very, it's like gold today. Uh, in, in a world where people pursue after fame, likes and, and shares, um, authenticity and sincerity is something that people are uh, are looking for. And wh- when you combine it with Israel, um, you know, it's inevitable that you will make friends for Israel. Yeah. Now, we've got a lot of people asking, uh, how do they uh, find your social media platforms? I think if you go, folks, if you go to uh, YouTube chat, YouTube, and you just type in Hananya Naftali, it's going to take you straight to his page. You just got to spell it right. H-A-N-A-N-Y-A, Naftali is with an F, N-A-F-T-L-A-I, Hananya Naftali. I think you do the same thing on Twitter, the same thing on Instagram. You'll find him right there. Uh, and uh, and all over social media, you do a search just in Google, and you're going to find a, a, a lot of this. But in, anything else to add on how they can can find you, and what do you have cooking in in the oven rail right, in the hopper? What what can we expect coming out from you soon? Uh, so first of all, thank you very much for the for the shout out. Um, you, you know, you just you, you can just find me on basically any platform. Form if you write H Naftali, because again, I believe in being everywhere to share the message uh, about Israel. And, 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 you know, we live in, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, philosophical, but uh, a lot of people are making videos. A lot of people are making a uh, whole bunch of videos about different kinds of topics. And I, I felt for, for a while that I want to, you know, the land of innovation to innovate, to be more interesting, not just open the camera and talk. Um, that's very important, but um, that leads me to what I'm cooking because uh, those of those of you that know me, I I also like to ride the motorcycle. Um, now I know I know riding riding anything in Israel with the crazy drivers that that can be a, a hazard, but um, I'm I'm Israeli too, so you know crazy ride with uh with crazy drivers that that's uh it's working. But my you have, to, you have to take a ride with my son. He, he's on his bike every day, and I'm so worried. I'm, it's it's <laughs> my prayer life. <laughs> well, the the you know you know David, the key here is to be more crazy than the drivers. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. But um, I I so I started to to do this um series that I'm um I'm I'm you know slowly filming, and it's basically to take my motorcycle. I did it. Uh, in the Sea of Galilee, I take my motorcycle down to the Sea of Galilee, where where I, you know, spent my my childhood, um, and 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 just filming, you know, the you know, with my drone, with with my motorcycle, making coffee, like like I did in the army, showing people uh, what it feels like to travel in this land. So 
Next thing I want to go to the Ramon crater, to the south. I think that that's going to be amazing. Um, and, and it's, it, it, and it's interesting, innovative, you know, even people that maybe don't care about Israel, they, maybe they will care about the motorcycle and the sounds. So, um, I'm thrilled to, to make more of that, uh, you know, more, more content, more interesting content that will, um, encourage people to, to learn more. I'm not trying to, to, you know, shove the love of Israel in people's throats, but to trigger them, to research themselves, because when someone knows for themselves and from their own knowledge, the truth about Israel, uh, you cannot convince them uh, otherwise. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that that sounds super cool with a K. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think I think my son Yoni would probably want to ride along with you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That That's an idea for a video. <laughs> he just went to a, they just had a wedding down there at the, um, uh, at the Ramon Crater, uh, one of the young believers getting married, and uh, he rode all the way to a lot, and then came back uh, for the wedding, riding on his bike around this country. And it is an interesting country. You can go from skiing on Mount Hermon to surfing on the coast of Israel. I, I grew up surfing on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. It's a very lovely, fascinating country, hiking in the desert archaeological digs, the land of the Bible. There's so much here, and it all gets drowned out by this conflict, which many, many Arabs want to end now. And many, many yeah. people are are blaming on those certain Arabs who don't want to give up the fight and the hatred. And thanks to you and, and others, I, I believe we're making good progress in this battle. And uh, I agree. I agree. And I, I, I do want to add, if I may, um, that, uh, first of all, we live in pivotal, a pivotal time where our enemies are um, trying to surround Israel and to grow stronger. We just saw Iran uh, releasing their uh, Fatah, I think it's called, the hypersonic missile that can reach Tel Aviv in 400 seconds. But we also see that the, the love for Israel among our friends is growing, and we need we need you guys more than ever because um, our enemies are uh, surrounding Israel with anti-Semitism and um, we need you guys more than ever. And you can start even today. You don't need to be an expert in anything. Just have love for Israel. That's enough. I know that uh, we're really in an interesting moment. Good things could happen or bad things ahead and it's got to keep us all on our toes. But thank God, uh, you know, people like you, and especially you and what you're doing, you're you're out there, you're active, you're showing up, you're speaking truth uh, with the right motivations. And we really appreciate you. I want to encourage everyone to be praying for Hananya Naftali, uh, and not only following his stuff, but please be praying for him. He's in a very strategic position as a consultant to the Prime Minister of Israel, on uh, the social media battle, and uh, really, um, it's a, a really important position you're in, and uh, we just thank you for your time today. I know we could keep going on and on, but uh, we'll keep it to about an hour here, and that means we got to bring you back some other time when, when something heats up and we need your help. I would absolutely love that, and, and, and again, I have to say thank you to you guys, uh, to ICJ, and to just the Christian friends of Israel, because it's 
we don't take your love for granted. It means the world to us. So, um, and blessings come to those that do exactly what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, greetings to your new wife, India. All uh, safe travels. I see you're, uh, are you going to Italy soon? We, we just came back two days came back ago. from there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Some pizza, some good, good pasta. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. Uh, we were well fed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All the best. Koakavod, Hananya Naftali, social media uh, activist and star and a consultant uh, to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We uh, thank you again for joining us on today's ICEJ weekly webinar. We'll be back here next Thursday, 4 p.m. Israel time. I think our topic is going to be on global energy issues by uh, our friend Nir Bombs. He's with uh, several different think tanks and all, but he has some interesting things to say about Israel's place in uh, the energy market, some of the crisis and all, and things that are happening. You want to join us then next Thursday, 4 p.m. Israel time for the weekly webinar, and also Wednesday, uh, 4 p.m., same time, uh, our global prayer gathering next Wednesday. Join Christian leaders and other intercessors from around the world praying for Israel, the region, and your nation. And of course, I got to mention the Feast of Tabernacles coming up uh, late September, the 29th of September through 6th of October here in Israel. We'll be in the Galilee, Jerusalem, down in the western Negev. We uh, hope to have Natanya and uh, Hanania Naftali there in some capacity. I would love to. And, uh, please make sure you attend the feast in person or uh, online. You can go to feast.icj.org to find out more. God bless you from Jerusalem.